Amen and amen. Boy, that's some great, sweet worship this morning. That's great. Hey, I want you to take your Bible and I want you to turn to the Old Testament book of Jonah. The Old Testament book of Jonah. Now, you are very familiar, I'm sure, with what happens in the book of Jonah. We're going to look at the first chapter and begin in verse 1 and following in just a few minutes. And so I'll give you a second to get there. I got a question to ask you. Because the title of this message is called, Hello, Please Leave a Message. Have you ever heard that before when you call somebody's phone? Hello, please leave a message. I don't know, you may have heard that on someone's phone or maybe it's on your phone because you didn't want to answer the phone. I mean, have you ever just let the answer machine Or the voicemail just answered that phone call for you? I mean, perhaps you were eating dinner, you had your family together, or perhaps you were meeting or uh, in a meeting, or perhaps maybe you were on another line and you let the answer machine just take over and it says, hello, please leave a message. You know, it is possible that you just had no desire to talk to the person that's on the other end of the phone. As a matter of fact, you may know that it's going to be a long conversation. And so, or maybe you think it might be bad news and you don't want to pick up the phone because it could be a bill collector and they just want to say, hey, just wanted to remind you, you're late on your payment. So you don't pick up the phone. Just leave a message. Have you ever received that kind of a call? Well, maybe so. But have you ever received a call from God? Have you ever heard God's voice and ignored it? You know, sometimes you might know it's God. He's speaking. He's saying something to you. But it's not what you want to hear. That happened in the life of a guy named Jonah. Jonah in the Old Testament. So if you'll turn with me to the book of Jonah, chapter 1. Now, I just want to clarify a couple of things as we get started. I want you to know this. Jonah is not the hero of the story. God is. Jonah's not the hero because at the beginning of the story, Jonah is running from God. And then... At the end of the story, Jonah is arguing with God. And in between, Jonah is praying to God and Jonah is preaching for God. But through it all, I want you to keep in mind that Jonah is not the hero of the story. And the fish is not that big of a deal either. I mean, it's a, it's a big deal because it's amazing that a fish swallowed a man. But it's not the fish that's the big deal. It's God that's the big deal. So you see, the book of Jonah is about God and how great his heart is toward people. That's the message of the book of Jonah. God's concerned about this group of people in the city of Nineveh. God is always, I mean, he always wants to save people. He's in the business of saving people. 
That's why God sends Jonah to Nineveh. He wants to see Nineveh saved. I mean, the story also tells us of God's compassion for prodigal sons and prodigal daughters. Do you know anybody like that? Have you ever been a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter? God never gives up on Jonah. And I love that. Not even when Jonah runs away from God. And not even when Jonah sits under a vine and he begins to pout. Because he's mad at God. So in Jonah chapter 1, follow with me in chapter 1 verses 1 and following. And out of reverence and respect, if you could possibly stand, please do so for the reading of God's word. It starts like this. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Now it's important for you to know that the word Jonah is translated dove. The word Jonah means dove. And I kind of think about that, you know, a bird, when the storm is coming, what does, what does a bird do? He gets out of dodge, man. He's going to fly away. So now why would the word of the Lord come to Jonah? I'll tell you because Jonah's a prophet. But, and prophets proclaim truth. And it's interesting to call the word Amittai, son of Amittai, that word means truth. So Jonah's a prophet. And the word Amittai means truth. But Jonah is a reluctant prophet. So he's running away. So it says in verse 2, Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and he sailed to Tarshish to flee from the Lord. And the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. And all the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down, and he fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will, be, we will not perish. And then the sailors said to each other, Come on, let's cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. And they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. And so they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? And he answered and said, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, the one who made the sea and the dry land. And this terrified them, and they asked, well, then what have you done? And they knew that he was running from the Lord because he had already told them so. And the sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? He said, why don't you pick me up, throw me into the sea, and it will become calm. And I know it's my fault that this great storm has come upon me. But instead, the men did their best to begin to row the boat to back to land. But, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. And then they sat out and uh, cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. 
Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. And then they took Jonah and they threw him overboard. And the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this incredible story that's in your precious word, the Bible. And God, I pray that you would open our eyes and our ears to hear what the Spirit would say to us today through this, these writings and through this message. We love you, Father. Lord, we want to hear your voice and we want to be obedient. Thank you for speaking to our hearts today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. I want to give you a few facts about the book of Jonah, okay? Number one, I want you to know that the book of Jonah is a short story. It only has four chapters. It can be read in about 15 minutes. It contains 48 verses and only 1,300 words. Yet it is a powerful story about the heart of God. Secondly, the book of Jonah is a true story. Contrary to critics and skeptics, I believe that the story is recorded historical truth. That is, there really was a man named Jonah who spoke with God, and Jonah really did flee to Tarshish, and Jonah really was swallowed by a great sea creature, a giant fish. Jonah really did survive three days in that creature's belly. Jonah actually did go to Nineveh, and he did preach to the people there. It's all true, just the way it was written. It's not a myth. It's not a legend. It's not a fable. It's not a parable. Jonah is a true historical story. Now, some would say, Pastor Tom, come on now. You've you got to be kidding me, right? How can you believe that this story is true? Well, let me just tell you this. In the Bible, in the book of Matthew, Jesus said it was true. Jesus answered and said to them in chapter 12, verse 39 and following, it says, An evil and adulterous generation craves for a sign, and yet no sign will be given to it but the signs of Jonah the prophet. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So from what I read, from Jesus considered the story of Jonah to be a historical fact. And I approached the story of Jonah as a historical event. I mean, I even went searching, okay? I mean, what do you do when you want to find out something, right? You go to Google, right? I'm going to Google this, okay? Is it possible? Wikipedia, you tell me. Is it possible that there was ever a man who'd been swallowed by a fish? And lo and behold, there's a guy named James Bartley 
He was born in 1870, died in 1909. He is a central figure of the late 19th century. A story, uh, that story according to which was, he was swallowed by a sperm whale. He was found still living days later in the stomach of the whale. And the whale was dead, died from constipation. I think that would make me sick too. But the story originated in an anonymous firm and began to appear in American newspapers and the anonymous article appeared in the St. Louis Globe Democrat of St. Louis, Missouri and then the note appeared to other newspapers and the title was called A Modern Jonah. The news spread across the ocean as articles and it said, Man in Whale's Stomach and Rescue of a Modern Jonah. I'm... I could just imagine walking out of the grocery store and seeing this on the National Enquirer, right? You know, man swallowed by... But it's, it's so cool because while the accuracy of this story is in question, it is physically possible for a sperm whale to swallow a human whole as they have been known to swallow whole giant squids. So... This story is true. But another aspect of this story is the fact that the book of Jonah is a revealing story. It's a revealing story because it reveals the real heart of Jonah. As he's writing this, he's telling it. it, He talks about, it reveals the fact that Jonah is running from God in chapter 1. And then in chapter, chapter 2, you're going to see that John, it reveals that Jonah is praying to God. God, get me out of this fish. I'll go to Nineveh. I'll go to Nineveh. Get me out of here. And then it reveals that, that Jonah is speaking for God. He actually does go to Nineveh and he preaches and speaks to the people there. And then in chapter 4, it reveals that Jonah is learning from God. So... It's a revealing story. But what I want to share with you today are four things that I want you to see about God's call in our lives. Just as God called Jonah, so does God call us. Number one, I want you to know that God's call is unpredictable. It's unpredictable. I don't think that Jonah woke up one morning expecting to hear God's voice telling him to go to Nineveh. I just don't think that that's what he was thinking was on the calendar that day. In all likelihood, it probably started off as an ordinary day. I mean, Jonah got up. He got dressed. He got his cup of coffee. He checked his Facebook page. You know, he read the newspaper. He got really ready or to, to head to the office. He's ready to go. Or whatever you do back there in those days. It was just a normal, ordinary day. And then it happened. All of a sudden, he hears the voice of God. Arise and go to Nineveh. The great city. And I want you to cry against it. For the wickedness of that city has come up before me. Now, it's amazing to me how 
It just takes one sentence to change a person's life. One phone call to just change a person's life. One accident to absolutely change a person's life. One phone call that could be good, it could be bad. It could change your life for the good, it could change your life for the bad. But it can change with just one call or instance. Now that's a fact. Life can change in a moment. Some of you could tell me stories when everything was going great and then all of a sudden, just like that, your world was turned upside down. Maybe the death of a loved one or the accident of a loved one or, or something that happened would cause your whole world to change. Well, that's what happened to Jonah. Because when God spoke those four little words, arise, go to Nineveh, whatever Jonah's plans were or whatever they had been, they just got changed. God's call can come at any time. It is unpredictable. And I'm sure that most of us have taken a trip on a ship to Tarshish when we were trying to run away from Nineveh. We all have run away from God. We all know what it means to, to run away from God. We, we all know how creative the Lord can be when he wants to bring us back to where he wants us to be. He can be creative. He can come up with all kinds of things to get our attention. So, secondly, I want you to know that not only is God's call unpredictable, but it also can be uncomfortable. God's call can be uncomfortable. I mean, Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. I mean, that's obvious by the, from the story. I mean, look at verse, verse 3. It says, Jonah rose up to flee from Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He wanted to get away from the Lord. And he went down to Joppa, found a ship that was going to Tarshish. He paid the fare. He went down into it, got down uh, in there, going to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He wanted to get away from God. Now, Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh. Has God ever told you he wanted you to go somewhere and you did not want to go? I mean, Nineveh, these people are brutal. They are cruel. He didn't care about Nineveh. Jonah did not want to go there. He didn't think that God should care about Nineveh. He didn't want Nineveh to repent. He didn't want God to forgive Nineveh. But, but let's pause for a second. Did you ever see in verse 1 what the message was going to be that God, God wanted Jonah to preach? It wasn't a message of, hey, listen, Nineveh. God loves you. He has a wonderful plan for your life. He wants you to repent. No, 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 no. God told Jonah, I want you to rise. I want you to go to that city of Nineveh, the great city of Nineveh. I want you to cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. I mean, that would be like saying, hey, I want you to go to, I don't know, Las Vegas, or I want you to go to New York City. I want you to go right in the heart of these cities, and I want you to proclaim truth. Jonah knew the reputation of Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. The Assyrians had a reputation for cruelty. That it's hard to imagine what they would do. But their specialty was brutality of a gross and a disgusting kind. When their armies captured a city 
or a country, unspeakable atrocities would occur. Things like skinning people alive, decapitation, mutilation, ripping out their tongues, poking their eyes out, making pyramids of human heads, forcing prisoners to live in kennels like dogs. I mean, that is what Nineveh was like. And ancient records show that the Assyrians boasted of this kind of cruelty as a badge of courage and and power. The Assyrians had no use for the Jews, and the Jews had no use for the Assyrians. And modern-day Nineveh would be right around Baghdad in Iraq. That's where Nineveh was. Yet God asked Jonah, I want you to go to the capital city of Nineveh. And Jonah hated them because they were bloodthirsty and cruel. He hated them because of their idolatry. He hated them because of their arrogance. And Jonah had no desire to go to Nineveh. And for good reason. I mean, would you want to go? I don't think I'd want to go. But as far as Jonah was concerned, Nineveh could just be wiped off the map. He didn't care. But remember what God called Jonah to do. He said, I want you to preach against it. I want you to tell them that they're evil. I want you to tell them how that they're displeasing me. I want you to tell them of their sin. I want you to tell them how dirty and filthy they've been. I want, I have, I've seen everything that they've done and it's time for judgment. I want you to tell them that. Give them my message. But Jonah turns the other direction, goes absolutely the other direction. God's call is unpredictable. It's uncomfortable. But I'm gonna tell you something. God's grace is incomprehensible. I just can't even understand or comprehend the amazing grace of God. Why in the world would God want to send a message to Nineveh? Why would God want to even talk to them? You, you know what God should do? I mean, in, jo- in Jonah's mind, he should, they should, he should just zap them. He should just let them have it. I mean, he should go ahead and and wipe them off the face of the earth. That's what God should do. That's what Jonah thought. God, just get rid of them. But Jonah knew what was going to happen. He knew that if he brought God's message to Nineveh, and if they repented, God would forgive them. God would pardon them. God would let them off the hook. And that's not what Jonah wanted Did you know that people are saved by the grace of God? It was God's grace that reached down and saved me. What they deserved and what they got was two different things. They deserved judgment, but they got forgiveness. I mean, you can run from God, but you cannot hide. God is omnipotent. That means he's all-powerful. God is omniscient. That means he knows everything. God is omnipresent. That means he's everywhere. You cannot run from God. You cannot hide from God. Jonah's problem was never ultimately about Nineveh. It was about God. I don't want to do what God wants me to do. Jonah's problem was always with God. And now, have you ever heard anybody complain about, you know, God's too loving or God is too kind or God is too forgiving or God is too merciful? No, you've never heard that. I've never heard anyone say that. But that was what Jonah thought. 
He said, you're too kind. You're too gracious. These people in Nineveh, they need to be destroyed. He wanted Nineveh to be punished. And even though Jonah seemed to give up on God, God never gave up on Jonah. You see, God doesn't always stop us quickly. Sometimes he allows us to go our own path until we come into a dead end. And then you come into a dead end. But, but then he never stops being concerned about us. God's love never fails. He will always be with us. He's always pursuing us. I'm telling you, it's called patience. It's called grace. It's called mercy. It's called love of God. How far will God let us go in our sin? And I don't think anyone knows the full answer because God let him run, but he could never outrun God. He's run from God. He bought a ticket, and now he's on a ship headed to Tarshish. But then he falls asleep in the bottom of the ship, and this huge storm comes like a hurricane. It's like a hurricane. The pagan sailors in the boat are start, start crying out. And when God's, God's been, uh, it, it, it's, 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 it's almost like these, these guys are all nervous. And all of a sudden they're saying, what are we going to do? Let's cast lots. Let's find out. And the lot fell on Jonah. So Jonah was then thrown overboard. And this huge fish swallowed him. And he was there for three days. It's kind of comical in a way. Imagine being inside of a fish. For three days and you got seaweed all over you. You know, you just, it's just all over you. And I can imagine him walking. I'm going to go to Nineveh now. And it's like he's going like. I mean, it's just, I mean, he's soggy. He smells like a fish. He smells horrible. He's going to go to these people in Nineveh. I can just imagine walking up to him. Hey, come here. Please repent. He just won't tell him to repent. And that's what he tells him. He goes right into the city. And the city was huge. It took him a day to get into the actual city. I'm going to tell you something. Here's the point. Here's the point. The point is this. God loves people. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. I don't care about your past. All I want you to know is that God is crazy about you. He loves you so much. We are his hands and his feet. God calls specific people to specific places for specific purposes. And I believe that each one of you have been placed here at Calvary. Whether you're at the Clearwater campus, whether you're at the Eastlake campus, or whether you're at the Seminole campus, I believe that God has placed you here at Calvary to fulfill a specific purpose. The question is, are you fulfilling that purpose? In Jonah's case, We see that God's purpose for him was to go to Nineveh and preach against the sin of its people. Jonah's response was a lot different than the one from Isaiah. Remember Isaiah in chapter 6, the book of Isaiah, when God said, Whom shall I send and who will go for me? 
And Isaiah says, here am I, Lord, send me. Well, when God called Jonah, Jonah said, here am I, send somebody else. I don't want to go. I'm on my way to Tarshish. Today, there are many believers, believers that are a lot like Jonah. For some of us, our Nineveh may be reconciliation. Maybe we don't want to reconcile. Maybe we don't want to make things right with somebody. Maybe for others, our Nineveh is repentance. Maybe you've never repented. Maybe you, you say, you know, I believe, I believe, but, but how can I repent? I, I, there, you just don't know what I've done, Tom. That might be your Nineveh. Today can be your day of repentance. And then there are those whose Nineveh might be restitution. Maybe you know you need to make restitution with somebody. You haven't, you haven't done it. You don't want to do it. And, and yet God's calling you to do it. I don't know what your Nineveh is. But this morning, I'm asking each and every one of you, what direction are you headed? Are you headed the way God wants you to go, which is towards Nineveh? Or are you headed a different direction, away from God, disobeying and headed towards Tarshish? There's only one road. The, The will of God or disobedience to the will of God. Again, God calls specific people to specific places for specific purposes. And my question is, are you fulfilling that specific purpose? Because there are people in your circle of influence that I'll never be able to reach. There are people in my circle of influence that you'll never be able to reach. But all of us together, expressing the indescribable Grace of God to other people makes us indescribably valuable people to God. He wants us to be able to go and share this amazing message of hope that he'll restore you. He'll give you life. He'll give you hope. He'll give you a new direction. What is the role that we play in the body of Christ? There's just one thing. I love this passage of Scripture. One, it's found in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30. We ought to memorize it because it's so, it's so powerful. It says, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he who wins souls is wise. He who wins souls is wise. Because God loves people, and he wants to use us. And I'll be honest, as an eight-year-old boy on the second row in a Baptist church in Danville, Virginia, when Christ came and spoke to my heart, I gave my heart to the Lord. And I knew that there were, there were four calls on my life to be a soul winner. Four calls. Number one, there is a call from within. You see, when the Holy Spirit of God came into my life, even as a young boy, I knew that God had a plan for me. I knew that God wanted to do something significant in my life. There was a call from within when the Holy Spirit came and took residence inside my heart. And I'm like Paul, he said, I'm compelled to share the gospel. That's the way I feel. I feel compelled 
to just tell people about Jesus. Anybody that I can come in contact with, anybody that I can talk to, I just feel there is a call from within. But then there's also a call from without. Because the whole world is out there saying, Tom, somebody tell me what the truth is. Everybody's out there just protesting this and protesting that. And they don't know what they believe. They just want the truth. Somebody just give me the truth. There's a call from without. Everybody's out there saying, what is the truth? Help me understand what is life really all about? What is my purpose? I grew up in the 70s. And you remember the song, Staying Alive by the Bee Gees? Staying alive. Staying alive. Ah, 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 ah. Staying alive. Staying alive. Remember that song? Listen to this verse. I'm going nowhere. Somebody help me. Staying alive. Staying alive. I'm going nowhere. Somebody help me. It was the Bee Gees. I'm telling you, that's what there's a call from without. But also this morning, I'm going to tell you there's a call from above. Because my mom and my dad experienced the presence of God. They've already experienced and received, you know, I mean, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And I can hear them right now saying, Tom, this is amazing. This is, it's what we told you. It doesn't even compare to how wonderful it is. Tom, it's worth it. Bring as many people with you as you can. Tom, don't give up. Keep telling people about Jesus. I can hear their voices right now saying, Tom, don't stop telling them. Don't stop. Bring us, tell your family, tell your friends, tell everybody. It's amazing. It's amazing. There's a call from above. But also this morning, there's a call from below. Because when I was in high school, I had a really good friend. We were best friends. I mean, we rode Honda 70s together. We checked out the girls together. We studied for history tests together. We, we did everything together. We played baseball together. But I never told my friend about Jesus. I was going to. The timing just hadn't presented itself. I was going to tell him. He was 16 years old on a Sunday afternoon in December. He'd just gotten his driver's license. He and three other buddies of ours were in the car. Four-way stop in North Carolina. One of the stop signs had been taken down. It was supposed to be a four-way stop. An 18-wheeler comes through. My friend pulled up to the four-way stop and then proceeded to go through, and an 18-wheeler came by. Hit all four of my buddies in that one car. Three of them were killed. One of them was alive. I went to that funeral. Three caskets across the front. And all I could do was think about a call from below. Because I never told my buddy how he could be saved. So I think about that all the time. He who wins souls is wise. Is God calling you today? Is he calling you to believe? Is he calling you to repentance? 
Is he calling you to a mission? Is he calling you to reconcile? Is he calling you to, what is he calling you to? I don't know, but I know that God is calling. And this morning, this altar is going to be wide open for anybody who wants to come and pray. You may maybe grab your wife, your husband, whatever, come and pray. You can just come by yourself and pray. Maybe you need to go talk to somebody, pray with someone. I don't know. Whatever it is that God is calling you to do, I want to encourage you to do that. But God has called us as a church family to stop running and to follow his call and to do whatever it is because I'm telling you that the hour is late. The hour is short. And we are the hope of the world because we carry the message of Jesus Christ. So this morning, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. Would you stand with me? I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask you to do whatever God tells you to do this morning. Whatever God tells you to do, you be obedient to do that. Father in heaven, I thank you for what you've said to our hearts this morning. I pray that we would be obedient to whatever your call is in our life. We love you, Father. Speak to our hearts, we pray. May we be obedient. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.